We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, Kyle, if you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? I would pick it up and then I'd deposit it at my bookie, which is my favorite betting site, Chris. Why? Why do you ask? Of course you would. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. They'll double it. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me, as always, it's my guy, Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire and 95.7 The Game. Kyle, what's happening, dude? Oh, not a lot. Just reading up on this trade that broke right at the top of the podcast. Adam Schefter of ESPN reporting that the Steelers, the 49ers week three opponent, who we'll talk about a little later in the week, are trading a 2020 first-round pick to the Dolphins for Minka Fitzpatrick. Well, that certainly is a curveball. 
I was not expecting to uh, to see that <laughs> because we just did all this pre uh, pre production work on uh, on 49ers Bengals review, and uh, Minka Fitzpatrick is heading to the Steelers. All right, let's push that back to the end of the podcast. We can talk about some. We will. We will we, talk, we can about, talk that. about some potential trades uh, a little bit later uh, regarding left tackle Joe Staley uh, and finding his eventual replacement. So let's start there. The 49ers obviously two and zero. They really just beat the hell out of the Bengals on uh, on Sunday, forty one seventeen. It wasn't even that close. It it felt like probably the best performance uh, of the probably the team's best performance since Kyle Shanahan was hired in twenty seventeen. But the bad news coming out of the weekend is Joe Staley is going to be out six to eight weeks with a fractured fibula. Uh, Kyle Shanahan today said, you know, for now the team is planning on playing Justin School at left tackle. They're not going to switch Mike McGlinchey from the right side to the left. Justin School, obviously a six round draft pick, sort of struggled in training camp in the preseason. Um, the team is is putting on a facade of confidence regarding the viability of Justin School as a long-term option at left tackle, at least for the foreseeable future until mid-November when Staley's expected to come back. Uh, but Kyle, what, what's your opinion on, on Justin School as far as how good he could be replacing Joe Staley and how comfortable are you with him there? Not super comfortable. <laughs> um, like Offensive line play, is it is it such a premium, especially at tackle? And so you figure a guy falling to the sixth round of the draft probably doesn't have a ton of, of, of great tools, at least that would make him a capable starter in the third week of his rookie season. Like this isn't anything against Justin school necessarily from everything we've heard and we've seen, he works super hard and, and he, he certainly gives, he certainly gives the effort necessary. It's just, does he have the skill set to right away step in against some of the league's uh, top edge rushers? And the Steelers are going to bring that. The Browns are going to bring that. And that's just the first two opponents that he'll have to face. Not to mention you're gonna, they're going to go against the Seahawks. They're going to go against the, the Rams in that stretch. Like There's a lot of really good players that he's going to have to play against. And maybe two, three years down the line, he's going to be ready to do that. I'm just not certain he's going to be ready right away. I think maybe out of, out of necessity, they, they start him for a week and, and see how it goes. I'm not super optimistic that he's going to be able to replace Joe Staley at any kind of a, of a high level. Well, obviously Joe Staley is a six time pro bowler, probably the, their best, most consistent player on offense for a long time. Now Uh, I will say, and and we'll talk about potential trade candidates too, in particular later on in the podcast, but uh, the 49ers like Justin school as a baseline as a run blocker, like that, that's sort of how they start with evaluating offensive linemen. And it's sort of the same way they, they create the offense. The foundation of the offense is the running game. And a lot of what they do is, is based off play action uh, and things like that. So what Kyle Shanahan's offense can do to help out somebody like Justin school a lot is dial up a, a lot of running, a lot of passing plays that start out with run blocking sets. So you run play action one way, the offensive line, obviously run blocks that direction and then that saves Justin School from a traditional pass blocking set to where, you know, he's going backwards against a, a premier edge rusher, which obviously wouldn't be playing to his strengths. So there are things, you know, there, there are quick passes that, that Kyle Shanahan can dial up. There are bubble screens there are different things. So there are certain things Kyle Shanahan can do to make up for some of the issues that you have when you have an inexperienced tackle playing. But 
Um, you know, I'm I'm not totally convinced that that school is going to be playing on Sunday against the Steelers or at least starting. I think there's a good possibility the 49ers do end up making a trade. Um, I'm not reporting that. I, that's just a hunch of mine. They've they've been so aggressive this entire offseason, whether it's, you know, talking to the Giants about trading for Odell Beckham Jr. or uh, trading for D Ford. Um, things like that. They've been they've been very aggressive. So I would expect them to aggressively canvas the trade market yeah. uh, this week. And and maybe if not this week, maybe during the buy. But I would be shocked if the 49ers just rely on Justin School over these eight these next two months with Joe Staley out. But let's get to the game on Sunday in Cincinnati. Just a really clean, crisp performance. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo averages almost 12 yards per attempt. Uh, Kyle Shanahan was really just in his bag all day, running really good plays. The 49ers executed really well. Probably Shanahan's best play calling performance uh, that we've seen. And obviously having a team execute as well as the 49ers did has a lot to do with that. Uh, Mike McGlinchey after the game said, you know, the key was was really just running the ball well. And and when you're running the ball well, staying ahead of the chains, keeping yourself in, in manage, manageable situations and not falling behind the sticks really allows Kyle Shanahan to dip into his entire playbook. And Jimmy Garoppolo said afterwards, like, Shanahan is three plays ahead at all times. So when when he's doing a drive and, and really in a rhythm, um, he he knows he's calling plays to set up other plays. And, and that was working really well. And I think it all started with the running game. The 49ers had 259 yards on the ground on 42 attempts, and they averaged 6.2 yards per carry. And as you wrote for Niners Wire this week, uh, Matt Breida, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr. are all former undrafted rookies um, who obviously are replacing Tevin Coleman and, and Jarek McKinnon, two players the 49ers paid a pretty hefty price for yeah. uh, in terms of salary cap dollars. So, um, yeah, what would you, you think of the running game and, and just how those guys played? It felt like the it felt like what we saw on Sunday was peak 49ers offense. They were getting whatever they wanted. Uh, on the ground, and that's obviously going to set up the pass. And I think we saw that that they don't need these big name, uh, top tier, big money running backs to produce on the ground. Matt Breida was was like he was terrific. That one third down run where he started left looked like he was going to get stopped for a loss and cut back right, made a man miss at the at the line of scrimmage, and then when I think it was for thirty two or thirty four yards. Like that was an incredible individual effort, but there were so many runs where running backs weren't getting touched until four, five, six yards down the field. And any team that does that, any time, any team that's having that kind of success on the ground is going to win a ton of games and go deep into the playoffs. Because when your running backs are getting into the second level without getting touched, it sets up everything you want to do on offense. There's no play that's off limits at that point. And like you said, it gets them in second and short and every third down is then manageable. And when you have a quarterback who's coming off a torn ACL, who only needs to throw it 25 times and can do so really comfortably out of play action, then, then that's what the 49ers need. That's going to be the formula for them winning games. And it's going to be behind that really good run game. Yeah. And we saw it on the first touchdown pass of the game on, on the very first series for, for the 49ers, you call play action. Uh, you roll Jimmy Garoppolo to the other side, you leak Marquise Goodwin out to the left and he is completely uncovered and there's no bangle within 15 yards of him. And he's wide open for a long touchdown pass. And, and that's what play action does for the 49ers too. And then the second touchdown you're blitzing because you're hoping to stop the run. 
and then you get Raheem Mostert in space on a screen and he just runs right through the secondary and the Bengals didn't do a good job tackling at all on the play. But Raheem Mostert is one of the fastest guys, it, not only on the 49ers, but in the entire NFL. He's a really accomplished sprinter uh, at Purdue. And so when you just have that, those type of athletes running that kind of scheme and, and the offensive line executing at a high level. And by the way, George Kittle was a monster blocker Yeah. Uh, again throughout Sunday's game. I know he didn't have the, the eye-popping receiving numbers that people expect of him after last year, but he is still one of the best, if not the best blocking tight ends in football, which makes him so impossible to take off the field. But he's a huge part of the running game. And when you have a tight end like that, and and 49ers fans should know after watching Vernon Davis earlier this decade, when he was one of the best blocking tight ends for, for a period of time, like that is enormous for an offense because it makes what you do uh, you, you're just incredibly dynamic. You can run the ball really well behind Kittle, or obviously you could do play action and, and then get guys open downfield. Um, so just a really overall strong performance from the 49ers and and one that I didn't necessarily see coming. I, I think, you know, it, it was safe to no, What do you want to say? Just to your point on George Kittle, that first 49ers touchdown, he lined up in line on the left side of the formation and the Bengals had 10 guys in the box with with a single high safety. And when Garoppolo executed the play action, the linebacking core all crashed up expecting a run because of where Kittle lined up. But then Kittle ran a route across across the middle and the safety crashed down on Kittle to go cover him. And they had three guys on Kittle as Marquise Goodwin leaked out the other side. And if you don't have a tight end who is as dominant a blocker as he is or is as good of a receiver as he is, Teams aren't aren't selling out. Uh, what's what? How am I trying to say this? They're they're not buying that they're running if he's not a great run blocker in that situation, and then the safety's not going to to triple cover him if he's not a great receiver. And the 49ers took advantage of both of those things on that first touchdown. Yeah, and Sunday was also sort of a breakout performance for uh, rookie second round pick Debo Samuel, who had uh, five catches, eighty seven yards. Uh, just showed signs of being a a really good fit, and and we all knew that Debo had the skill set to to be a strong fit in what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. But this was the first time we really got to see it unfold because there wasn't a whole lot of it in the preseason because Debo was sort of limited to to jet sweeps and bubble screens and things like that. And he did have a screen pop for for a pretty big gain in this game too. But uh, the the play that really sticks out to, in in my mind and and our colleague ES, uh, ESPN colleague Nick Wagner pointed this out post game too that throw where Garoppolo or I think it was the first snap of the third quarter dropped back took a hit under pressure uh, Debo Samuel ran a really good in cutting route and then made the catch and sprinted upfield for a big gain that was really just that drive was when the 49ers really just put their foot on on the Bengals throats. Uh, scoring a touchdown and and really, I have to go back and look, making it a uh, what was it a thirty one yeah thirty one ten game and they're just and it, and it resulted it, the drive ended with Samuel's two yard touchdown catch his first one in the NFL so I mean Samuel looks really good and it's not surprising to see the way Goodwin's playing and and with Samuel that that Dante Pettis isn't going to be playing over those guys right now yeah and it felt like in that third quarter drive just to stick with that for a minute it felt like that was the point the Bengals just tapped out 
about halfway through that drive, it, it, you could almost see him turn the switch off and the Niners were going to be able to do whatever they wanted for the rest of the game. There was a point with 11 minutes left, and I tweeted this. The Niners were out gaining the Bengals 546 to 189. Oh, my goodness. That is... Which is just a thorough and complete thrashing. And and the final statistics, uh, the, the 49ers had 572 yards, and the Bengals had 316. Uh, but those 316 yards, large the, a bulk of them... Came in, uh, came in garbage time when the 49ers had all their starters out on defense. Well, let's talk about that defense, too. Quan Alexander gets an interception. It's the second week in a row a 49ers linebacker oh, wow, had an interception was, huh? after Mark and Zacha had one in the opener. No 49ers linebacker had any interceptions all of last season. I don't know if you heard, Kyle. Niners only had two interceptions as a team last season, setting a new NFL record. Wait, that's it? Yeah, just That two. had to be a record. Yeah, it, to- it totally was. Uh a good performance from the defense again. Just one touchdown allowed before the garbage time touchdown to John Ross. Second week in a row, the 49ers have allowed just one meaningful touchdown in a game. Played well, and, and the 49ers got to Andy Dalton throughout, really. And, and the Bengals' offensive line is is just not any good at this point. So you would expect the 49ers' defensive line to, to dominate. I, I thought it was interesting that the 49ers had four sacks, but none of them came from D. Ford or Nick Bosa. D Ford left the game at halftime. His knee tendonitis is acting up on him again. Um, so he, we don't know if he's going to practice on Wednesday. We'll have to see. I, I'm guessing his status for Sunday's game is up in the air. I would, I would think that the 49ers would hold him out a Sunday with the bye week upcoming. Hopefully that extra rest can get him healthy in time for that Monday night game after the bye against the Cleveland Browns. Um, but Another strong performance from Akella Witherspoon, save for that time he dropped a pick six and then kicked it off a security guard's head. (laughs) Um, I thought he was lucky to just get a five-yard delay of game penalty. I thought it would have been a personal foul. It was not. uh, But another really good performance from Akella Witherspoon. So, I mean, look, we said said it last week. If Akella Witherspoon's good, like not only a serviceable starter, but a plus-level starter, that that's really, really big for the 49ers defense. So Jason Verrett was inactive again. The 49ers elected to have Julian Taylor act uh, up on game day, a, a part of the 46-man roster. Uh, so Jason Verrett, I think, is is still sort of working back into football shape. He's only been practicing for a couple of weeks after missing all of the preseason and training camp. He sprained his ankle on August 7th, the same day Nick Bosa did. Uh, but the 49ers, just given Verrett's injury history, shouldn't really feel inclined to, to play Verrett um, until he's fully ready. And, and I don't know that he is yet. And, and when you're getting this type of production from Michaela Witherspoon, albeit against, you know, Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston, um, you know, you're, you're still in pretty good shape. Well, we'll see what, if Witherspoon can maintain this level of play against better quarterbacks. It's certainly not going to happen this week with Mason Rudolph starting for the Steelers. Um, but Overall, Kyle, what what were your impressions of, of the 49ers defense on Sunday? I think they continued to play really fast. What stood out to me, I, I talked about them playing fast and confident last week. There wasn't a lot of second guessing, and they did that again uh, this week. I think what really stood out to me was the impact Quan Alexander has in in that front seven. He was just all over the field in the run game on screen passes. He made a couple of tackles down the field. Uh, he had the interception and coverage, like you mentioned. There's just a different feel around this Niners defense. And and I think it helps, obviously, that they have more talented players, especially on the edge, you know, D Ford and and Nick Bosa. But 
Quan Alexander running around in the middle of that defense it, after every hit, it was like he just won the Super Bowl. And sometimes a, a team needs a guy like that who's going to fly around. He's going to lay hats. He's going to be fired up. And that permeates throughout a team. And I think that that he's his importance was really, really. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sunday re- on display. Yeah, it, it was Sunday underscored his importance to the defense. Uh, Nick Bosa was good again as well. He didn't have a sack, but he played 31 snaps and his stunt off the edge is what forced Andy Dalton to roll out and, and throw the interception to, to Quan Alexander. And then later in the game, when, when the Bengals are trying to make a last ditch effort, it was a, it was a Nick Bosa pressure that forced Andy Dalton to throw a ball away on third down. So uh, just a really solid performance. Once again, you mentioned Akello Witherspoon, who we talked a little bit about last week. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to look at what the Niners defense did yesterday and and have a lot of gripes. Yeah, completely agree. Um, Quan Alexander and, and I've said it a bunch of times, but just the energy he brings is is proving to be really important for that defense. And that I know that was a much maligned contract, fourteen million a year for a guy coming off an ACL tear. He looks healthy. He's playing really well. But but I think just and and this is going to be cliche and you know superlatives whatever but like what he brings to the team just in terms of energy tenacity uh attitude that alpha dog thing that they've been lacking it's really showing up in these first two games even though he got booted out of that uh tampa bay game and early on for hitting Jameis winston in the head but I, i just think the emotional lift that he gives that defense has been really important but uh let's take a quick break There are countless ways to keep up on what's happening in the world of sports. But how are you supposed to read every great article? How are you supposed to watch every awesome highlight without losing time in your busy day? Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. Now coming to the stage, Axios Sports. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. Each morning, you'll see the best stories from around the sports world from the NBA and NFL to niche sports like cricket and ping pong. The email newsletter highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up. Sports.axios.com. Axios Sports is clean, crisp, and gives you everything you need to know. Read it in five minutes in the elevator or discover a deep dive article while you're on the train to work. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the cool person sharing an amazing link with your friends and coworkers. Join the 100,000 sports fans who have caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Do yourself a favor and sign up for Axios Sports Newsletter for free at sports.axios.com. Seriously, I I subscribe to it. It makes me feel more informed without spending time clicking through websites, apps, and social media platforms. Again, try it for free 99 at sports.axios.com. That's free, F-R-E-E point nine nine, just in case anyone missed that. Also, real quick, Chris, about newsletters. Nothing makes you more sound more sophisticated than when you're hanging out with your friends and you're like, oh yeah, I was reading today in the Axios newsletter. Like, come on. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of it myself. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. 
With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-way shipping. Guys, go talk to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. All right, so we mentioned Joe Staley and his injury and and what that can mean for the 49ers over the next two months. Uh, There's been a lot of talk on on Twitter about potentially trading for somebody like Trent Williams, who's still holding out from Washington. Uh, He wants a new contract. He doesn't like playing for them. He's not a fan of of the way he's been treated uh, by the medical staff. Uh, Obviously, he was a first-round pick when Kyle Shanahan was a coordinator there. And on paper, Trent Williams would make a ton of sense. But I am not of the mind that Trent Williams makes sense for the 49ers to trade for for a few different reasons. Uh, not a, you know, I mean, he hasn't participated in training camp. He hasn't played any football. Uh, so you're getting a guy basically coming off the street. You have no idea if he's in shape. You're not going to be able to get to work him out before the trade unless the Redskins grant the 49ers permission and uh, the Washington Redskins and Kyle Shanahan don't have a particularly good relationship. And I can't imagine the Redskins would be doing a whole lot to help Kyle Shanahan in this instance. So maybe that's something where John Lynch does some smoothing uh, of the tension between those two parties, but I just don't see it. And, and we talked about trading for Melvin Gordon last week and him wanting a contract worth something in the, in the neighborhood of 10, 12 million a year. And talking about the cap space that the 49ers need to have going forward because they have pending contracts for DeForest Buckner and George Kittle that they have to dole out at some point over these next two years. And the remaining $27 million in cap space they have going into next season is going to be allocated mostly to signing those players, potentially. And you have Eric Armstead, who's been playing really well. He has two sacks in the first two games so far. Uh, And Ronald Blair also due for a contract. You could trim some fat elsewhere. I don't think Jarek McKinnon is going to make uh, six or seven million against the cap next year, whatever he's slated for, obviously coming off back to back knee injuries and knee surgeries. So you I think there are ways that you can make Trent Williams fit, but I just don't think it makes much sense, particularly for a guy who's 31. Um, he wants a new contract. I don't see him really just being willing to take a back seat when Joe Staley comes back. He looks at himself as and rightfully so. I think he's one of the better tackles in, in the entire NFL. He's probably one of the best five to yeah, ten right now. seven straight Pro Bowls. Yeah, seven straight Pro Bowls. So are you going to move Mike McGlinchey to guard when, when Joe Staley comes back? I mean, maybe you could do that. Um, but just in terms of you know the contracts, the type of player you're getting, given the fact that he's been holding out, he hasn't participated in, in football at all uh, You know, since last season. I just don't think it makes a ton of sense. Kyle, what do you think about the idea of trading for Trent Williams? I think it's probably a, an ill-advised move at this point. You, you mentioned that the Niners could probably get creative with with their contracts and, and still pay DeForest Buckner and George Kittle. But Trent Williams is going to want, like, Trent Brown money. Probably more. And he's turning 30, or he, he turned 30, and... 
the Niners have Joe Staley locked up for two more years. They've got they've got Mike McGlinchey on his rookie deal. Like they're fine at tackle when they're healthy. And I just don't think if this was a team right now that that you look at their roster and you say, you know what, they can go to the Super Bowl if they add a left tackle. Then maybe they do it and they and they figure out the rest later. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. And I don't foresee them using their their 2020 first round pick on a tackle who becomes kind of irrelevant in the next six to eight weeks. Even if it takes Staley nine weeks to come back. I mean, it, it's just, it's hard to believe that they, that they liquidate that asset when they've already traded their second round pick in 2020. That means they wouldn't pick until the third round. And they're going to need help in the secondary. They're going to need help uh, possibly on the interior offensive line. Like there's still going to be holes on on this offense. And I don't think that they're ready to, I said on this offense, there's still going to be holes on on this roster. And I don't think they're going to be willing to, to liquidate a, a first round pick for a left tackle this year. Yeah. And I think there's a, a better candidate that would be far cheaper uh, both in terms of the compensation you give up in a trade and in salary cap dollars. Uh, and and say it with me, it's uh, Eagles tackle Hala Pulit Vadi Vitae, Big V, as they call him in, in Philadelphia. He started uh, after Jason Peters went down two years ago and played left tackle when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. So you know he could fill in there. Uh, the reasons why I think I think Vitae is a more appealing trade candidate, even though he's not as good as Trent Williams. Uh, he's only 26. He has been participating with the Eagles uh, at playing football this season and throughout the offseason in training camp. Um, he's only going to cost $2 million against the salary cap, and he's in the last year of his rookie contract. So I think the Eagles might be inclined to trade him because they drafted Andre Dillard, a tackle who replaced Jason Peters, uh, when Peters got nicked up in that game Sunday night uh, in Atlanta. Uh, so Vitae is low on the depth chart right now, and the Eagles probably aren't going to pay him for a second contract, and they could get more in a trade for Vitae than they would in a compensatory pick if they let him walk in free agency. So Howie Roseman is very much open to trading, uh, per- particularly for value. So it would be good value for him to get you know, a fourth or fifth round draft pick for Vitae right now than letting him go in the offseason if he doesn't play at all this season because the compensatory formula is going to indicate that he's not worth right you know he's not worth much if 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 anything so if you're the Eagles and you're not going to bring back Vitai because you just drafted uh Dillard then then why not trade him if if you can get a fourth or fifth round pick for him and I think if you're the 49ers and all it takes to get a player who's experienced who's played in a Super Bowl uh, three playoff games, who has guard and center versatility, who's only 26 years old and only going to cost you $2 million. And that's his cap number. I mean, the, his cap number would be a fraction of that. It would be prorated, obviously, to depending on how many games he has left or or when he joins the 49ers, I should say. Yeah. So I don't really see any downside in getting Vitae because he can play guard. Uh, he can play tackle. Obviously, you'd have him to play tackle. He's a good player. He's done it before. And if you like him, you could keep him next year as your swing tackle 
by I mean, you you could try giving him a contract next year as your swing tackle, or you could even make him a starting guard. You can make him your starting right guard and have Mike Person probably in, in a better role as a backup center and interior guy. And then all of a sudden you have depth along your offensive line, which is really, really hard to come by in the NFL these days. So yeah. I think trading, you know, a, a day two or a day three pick, obviously a fourth or fifth round or something like that for Vitae would make a ton more sense. He was a guy that uh, was rumored to to go from Philadelphia to Houston for, for Jadavian Clowney. Obviously that didn't happen because Clowney went to the Seahawks, but I don't see any downside in Vitae other than maybe he's not as good as Trent Williams, but he's done it before. He's played at a high level, a high enough level. He's still on his rookie contract. He's not going to prevent you from being able to sign DeForest Buckner and George Kittle to the, to the contracts you need to sign them to. So I just think it makes a ton of sense. And if he plays well at left tackle and you decide that he's better than Mike Person over these next two months, then you keep him in the starting lineup, you move him to right guard, and then offensive line continues to be a strength for you. And he he serves not only as your starting right guard, but as your swing tackle. Yep. And he's a massive improvement over Justin School. Yeah, you improve you improve two things at once. You give yourself a starting quality player for when Staley's out, and then your depth is suddenly better once Staley comes back. And that's that's a win-win for the 49ers. And when you talk about a trade, I mean, it's hard to imagine a situation where the 49ers, let's say, send out a fifth-round pick for, for Vitae. It's hard to imagine a scenario where one of the teams walks away from that deal unhappy. You know, like, like that's just, like right. you said, that's just good yeah, value. Benefits both teams. Yeah. And, and I can hear a podcast that we both listen to right now. One of the hosts just gushing over how incredible Howie Roseman is for getting a fifth round pick for a backup tackle. Yeah, there <laughs> exactly. It just seems like, it seems like a, it's, it's a total Howie Roseman move. It totally is when you can, like I said, when you can trade him and get a decent draft pick for him rather than letting him walk for nothing uh, or just a, a very low compensatory draft pick, I think you trade him. And and I think the 49ers are probably um, I think it's something they should do, frankly. Like, I, I don't I don't see any downside to it, particularly if it's only going to be a fourth or fifth round pick. Uh, somebody in the last year, their rookie contract. I think that's super valuable and paying a little bit more, uh, f- paying a little bit more in terms of draft capital makes sense because you're not paying for somebody who's going to cost what six times as much, uh, at least this season alone in Trent Williams. Like is Trent Williams six times a player of Vitae? Probably not. Trent Williams is certainly better, but I think trading for Vitae would make a ton of sense. Let's real quick before we get out of here, let's talk about this Mika Fitzpatrick thing. Because if there was a weak point in the 49ers defense on Sunday, it was slot cornerback. And Kwan Williams didn't have a particularly good first quarter. Um, he's He had arthroscopic knee surgery in August. I think Kwan Williams is, is fine. Um, I don't think he's terrible. I don't think he's particularly good right now. It seems like he's kind of a placeholder. Uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if at some point this season the 49ers have Jimmy Ward if if he gets healthy he he missed Sunday's game with a fractured finger if when if he's healthy it wouldn't surprise me at all if he took over that nickel corner role uh, they do what they did in that third preseason game where Jimmy Ward is playing starting at free safety moving down into the slot uh, when the when the offense has three receivers on the field I think that would make sense so the Smika Fitzpatrick thing 
for the right price, I thought it would have made a lot of sense for the 49ers because I think Fitzpatrick is probably best as a nickel corner. Um, and he had complained about playing multiple positions. The Dolphins had played him at, you know, free and strong safety and in the slot. And it was just a lot for a young player like him. Uh, frankly, with a team that's that's just not all that talented and clearly going nowhere anytime soon. Which probably didn't help his his unwillingness to play multiple spots. Yeah, but the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers sent the Dolphins a first round draft pick for Fitzpatrick. Um, I think a first round pick would have been a little rich for the 49ers because I, I mean, you, he would have been, he would have been a good pick. I don't know if a first round pick is, is worth, worth it for a slot cornerback. So right. I, I'm okay with the 49ers deciding not to do that. Um, but it would have made a, a lot of sense. It would have made more sense than uh, I know everybody wants Jalen Ramsey to uh you know to to come to the 49ers via trade i think that would cost at least a first round pick and another massive contract and then you're probably not going to be able to sign DeForest Buckner and George Kittle um which i think is probably more important right now particularly if Akella Witherspoon keeps playing like this if right. if Akella Witherspoon was playing really poorly uh and was and coverage was a really problematic issue for the 49ers in the first two games then yeah i think Jalen Ramsey would make a ton more sense but I would see what you have in, in a larger sample size with a Keller Witherspoon before doing something like that, too. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. It's it's such a big contract for a quarterback. If Minka Fitzpatrick is fetching a first round pick, Odell Beckham, uh, not Odell Beckham. Sorry, I had the Monday night football game on. Jalen Ramsey is getting a first rounder and probably significantly more. There are people on the Internet wondering why the 49ers don't just package Solomon Thomas in a first round pick because like other teams aren't going to want unproductive players either. So you can't just, you can't it cost a lot, right? You can't just do that. So, um, no, I just, the, the D Ford trade in that 2020 second round pick already being gone and the Niners not being a cornerback away. Like they're just not, their defense is playing really well. They're not a Jalen Ramsey away from being a Super Bowl contender. And I really don't think they're probably a Super Bowl contender this year. And so they're going to need that first round pick, even if it is in the, in the high teens, they're going to, they're going to need their first round pick because they're going to have a, a large hole to fill somewhere with a, with a top end talent. And if they're not picking in the, until the third round, that's that affects their rebuild quite a bit. Totally agree. I think that's all we got today. Later this week, we're going to preview the 49ers matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the, uh, the Pittsburgh Mason Rudolphs. Um, the 49ers are two and zero. that's crazy, right? Wild. They're actually good. They're relevant. It's the first time since, since I think probably Jim Harbaugh's final year, that the 49ers won a game and I walked away from the game going, Oh, they're going to win a lot more games this year because even, even last year they, 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 well, there's the chip Kelly and Jim Tom Sula years where they dominated in week one and it was, it was fine, but we knew like anybody with eyeballs knew. And then last year they lose to the Vikings and then they beat the lions in a game. They shouldn't have won. The lions should have won that game. And then they were going to go into Kansas City, which by week three looked like a powerhouse, and the just the the confidence wasn't there. But but right now the Niners are playing the best football they've played under Kyle Shanahan, certainly, and probably the best football they've played since 2013. 
and it's hard to, it's hard to not be confident. Yeah, what I think makes a good team is is being able to win games different ways uh, in in different weeks. So obviously, week one it was the defense and getting those two pick sixes uh, was massive. Week two, you still get a strong defensive performance. But all the concerns we had about the offense week one in Tampa were pretty much alleviated with the way they played in Cincinnati. And obviously, it's a week-to-week league. Uh, the 49ers probably shouldn't count on almost 600 yards of offense each week. <laughs> uh, that's simply not going to happen. So they're going to they're going to go through some ups and downs. Uh, they're they're not going to go undefeated. They're probably not even a 12-win team. But starting out. 2-0 on the road after not even winning a road game last season, after not winning a game in the Eastern time zone since 2014, which is completely insane to think about. Uh, they've done that twice, and now they only have six road games left. Uh, so you feel really good about the 49ers, just their ability to take care of business, to to play, yeah. to, to beat teams that, that they should beat. And it's looking like there are going to be a bunch more of those kind of teams on their schedule, maybe more than we thought. Carolina... Uh, the 49ers are going to have at home, and Carolina does not look particularly good right now. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, obviously, without Ben Roethlisberger, who's done for the year. Like, the 49ers have an opportunity. Uh, and then even after that, the the, the Browns are, are beating the Jets right now, but I don't think it's a particularly impressive win given the Jets' quarterback situation. And, and that looks like a much more winnable game than maybe it did in the spring when everybody thought the Browns were going to the Super Bowl. So... Things are shaping up really well for the 49ers, but obviously this Joe Staley thing is is a is a massive issue. Um, we'll have to see how they handle the situation. Uh, I, if I had to make a prediction, I do think they make a trade. Maybe it's not this week. Maybe it's during the bye. Uh, but you know, I think they'll give Justin School a game to to feel things out, see if they can scheme around some of the the pass protection issues he might have, see if they could you know. Use play action, quick passes, all of those things to to negate the the pass rush, uh, and and maybe the 49ers do make that trade for Vitae. If they if they trade for Vitae, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a victory lap on Twitter and and um, credit myself because that's what all the respected journalists do is say this was clearly my idea. A Vitae relap. All right, we're gonna end it on that. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk to you guys later this week where Kyle will have more awesome puns. Uh, as we preview the week three home opener at Levi's Stadium against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Talk to you guys then. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.